Welcome to Inside Parliament, a weekly catch-up about the political stories we've been covering on One News this week. We're coming to you from the legendary TVNZ Beehive studio, Andrea Vance and I, on what has been another busy sitting week back this week. And uh, the big story this week, of course, is uh, the one Andrea's been working very hard on, and that's around Plunkett. Let's take a look. These Karori families are desperate to save their much-loved local creche after Plunkett told them it will close next month. I have an idea because I'm going to try and get two money boxes from my house and then put them in a desk here and then see if we can get heaps more money. Furious parents say they fundraised $50,000 for renovations to the building, but Plunkett took control of their accounts. We want other communities around New Zealand to be aware of the underhand tactics and bulldozing techniques that Plunkett are using. Plunkett has recently become one national organisation, so all the resources have come together for Plunkett, and we look at how we utilise those resources to serve the communities that need them. Plunkett has been transferring property and assets from local community ownership to its national head office here in Wellington. They say those assets total just over $52 million. These Karori families say that's wrong because 80 years ago the community gave Plunkett the land and then fundraised to build the centre. They say the site is now worth about $1 million. I'd be very surprised if Plunkett uh, don't put a for sale sign on this property uh, as quickly as they can. We haven't made a decision around the site. Karori parents are the only ones who want Plunkett to return their building to the local community. Branches in Culverton and Waiau are now taking legal action. Plunkett just took it. And uh, we just don't have any um, certainty if they're actually going to keep it here or if they will sell it. Our communities are feeling really unhappy. Um, what they've done is really unethical. Plunkett says it's going to improve services in those areas. In the past, these committees have made localised decisions and felt in control of what decisions were made for what use, etc. And that has now been removed we're finding different ways of working with communities. Karori families say Plunkett is letting them down. There's nothing else in the community that caters for that age group in this way, so no, I, I don't know what I'm going to do now. A question these parents say Plunkett can't answer. Parongia, another community at war with Plunkett. We want our money, basically, and um, if we don't get it, then we're seeking legal advice. Parents raised $25,000 to build a new playground. Cake sales, bacon roll stalls, sausage sizzles, selling knitting, lots and lots of activities. But they're questioning where that money has gone. About a year ago, we were told that um, we, no, we no longer had any money, that it was now centralised, and that we would have to apply for any funding or any projects that we wanted to do. Plunkett bosses today said Parongia residents will get their playground money. It's taken us too long to get the answer to them. The charity is reorganising with the National Office taking control of local assets. But parents in Hiranui, Karori and now Parongia are fighting back. They say Plunkett is using the money to pay for consultants, marketing and high executive salaries. Plunkett has morphed into a marketing company now that's trading off a brand, a hundred year old brand that New Zealanders know and love, 
to pay salaries for head office staff, and that's appalling. I'm not going to apologise for, for trying to bring in the best that we can to you know, make the difference of a lifetime for New Zealand families. In relation to the, the marketing um, costs you've mentioned, over, nearly half of that is producing um, resources for families, so books that many families will be familiar with. Plunkett says it isn't reducing services, but needs to redirect resources into high-need areas. The reality for us is that we have to make some tough decisions. This change has been to make sure that everywhere in New Zealand has access to extra Plunkett support when they need it. On Friday, Plunkett's holding a national Blue Day fundraiser. The volunteers have been very disappointed and um, have basically pulled back. I'd hate to see issues like this damage the hard-earned trust between families, communities and Plunkett. But it may already be too late with volunteers like this already feeling blue. So what's going on? Um, well, yeah, I've been quite surprised at the reaction to this from... Um, I'm still to, to, you know, the end of the week here um, after a few days of this, still getting contacted by pl local Plunkett groups, um, really upset um, about, being, about being denied access to the funds that they raised. They raised them for individual projects. Um, and I guess just feeling really um, let down by head office Plunkett. So basically they, they this is a process that's happened very gradually and I think really um, it's down to communication. Plunkett didn't communicate very clearly what they were doing, what this nationalisation of the assets would mean and, and local groups feel like they're, they're, the, money, the money that they fundraise has been taken away from them. And obviously um, I didn't, not being a Kiwi, not being a Plunkett baby, I didn't quite appreciate how... Um, important how much, plank it is yeah, to, to um, so, so the social media reaction in particular has been has been really quite vicious and people are very upset about it um, very upset at Plunkett very upset at the idea that um, that there are a lot of general uh, senior managers and, and head office on, on $180,000 a year um, and comparing that to the salaries perhaps that Plunkett nurses earn you know just questioning that um, also questioning the idea of um of spending money on consultants. I have to say, I, I, I can understand the need for that. I mean, you do need professional and legal fees, especially if you're a large organisation. Of course, yeah. But I guess that it comes down to transparency and people want to know where, the, where this, they're, they're raising this money, where it comes from. And whether, um, you know, mums on the ground who are doing the fundraising really understood what was going on with the nationalisation. Mm. And it sounds perhaps like you've said a communication issue. When people, you know, every mum goes to Plunkett mm. and everyone grows up with Plunkett and so people do take feel very passionate about mm. it so you can understand why they're upset. Absolutely. And, and um, in Parongia where they'd fundraised for that playground in particular, they went door to door to businesses and asked them, you know, to help raise money. And then, then when the when they were told um, last year that they couldn't have that money, um, it wasn't theirs, they had to apply into a fund for it, then those mums felt like they had let down the businesses and the businesses even said to them, look, we wouldn't have given you the money. If we'd known it was going into a central Waikato fund, we would have given the money to the local school or something that we didn't want that money. So they, they um, I mean, Plunkett's told Parongia that they'll get their money. Um, they told them that earlier in the week, although... The Parongia mums contacted me last night and said they still haven't heard anything, so they're still really anxious. Uh, the families and the parents down in Haranui, two groups, two or three groups there, really anxious about the money. And then, of course, the outpouring from the Karori mums, who are really, really upset that they're going to um, close this crash that's been in the community for 80 years. It's going to leave a big hole. Um, At a time when early childhood centres are under real pressure, I know a lot of people in, in long lines waiting to get in. Absolutely. And so losing one in somewhere like Karori is going to be make things even tougher, more expensive, 
Definitely. longer waits. Yeah, let, um, well, that's the issue. There's the, the waiting lists in other um, ECEs in, in the community, and people just want to send their kids to Plunkett. They love that. They love the idea of Plunkett. Um, so a thousand people now have signed a petition in Karori, including the Wellington Mayor Justin Lester, to try and save that. Um, Crash, the finance minister, Grant Robertson, who's also the local MP, has, has asked Plunkett if they'll get back around the table with those families. But Plunkett seemed absolutely determined to close that crash. And of course, the Karori mums feel like um, feel like because they live in an affluent, privileged sub. Um, suburb that they are being penalised because you know they feel like it's their money they fundraise 50 grand for the um, renovations and stuff and and yes Plunkett say well we're, we're sending our resources where it's much more needed and these mums feel like well what about our needs it was our money so yeah there's only so much fundraising money to go around particularly in those smaller communities businesses take it really seriously about where they they give their money to and so forth I mean Plunkett of course has been um, uh, very defensive not surprisingly Mm -hmm. you know what's their reaction been well I mean I suppose I suppose in in terms of the Karori crash they've been quite defiant they're not going to close it down And, and I guess you know I can see both sides here because they do have um good intentions they want they they want to help with other groups, they want to help tackle, tackle child poverty. And they they feel that the money could be best sent somewhere. They feel like the money sitting in these communities isn't being put to its best use, uh, that it could be it would be better off. They'd have national visibility over it. They could see where all the resources are going and they could deploy it. But then you come up against these families who say, well, that, that's money that we raised. We didn't, we didn't go out into our community and shake buckets and bake cakes. Um, we didn't ask people to donate for, um, you know, children in South Auckland or in Porirua, people donated for our local community. So um, so we, we want to spend that money there. So it's not that these mums don't want to see these other families helped but you know that's, that's they want it for them as well yeah so yeah. I think I think it really it does come down to communication both sides are are acting in best interest they both have good intentions but yeah there's a complete disconnect there yeah and certainly provoked a big reaction and more to come probably Definitely more to come. <laughs> um, the other big issue this week has been around Shane Jones' comments about Air New Zealand uh, and true Shane Jones style, creating a bit of a storm around him. Uh, here's a look at uh, one of the stories Emily Cooper has done this week. Another day and more criticism of Air New Zealand by Shane Jones. If anyone on that board believes that they're going to muzzle me as a champion for the provinces, then they are sadly mistaken. Today he called for the airline's chairman to step down and for the chief executive to stay out of politics. The minister took his first swipe at the national carrier last week in front of Air New Zealand management, saying it's letting down the regions. The prime minister now attempting to ground him. The coalition hitting some bumps. Calling for the sacking of uh, any board member is a step too far and I have told Shane Jones that. What we've got here is bullying, as personal attacks, as the calling for resignations. Air New Zealand declined to comment to One News today but have said it's proud of the work they're doing in the provinces. Deputy Prime Minister Winston Peters though defending his MP. Do you not think that Air New Zealand should have to do as it pleases? No I don't. Sorry, it's called accountability. Uh, you're dealing with a publicly owned enterprise in the main and where we bailed them out many years ago and nobody in the Air New Zealand setup then was concerned about what politicians were saying. I'm the shareholding minister and I have said to you today that I believe that Air New Zealand is a successful company and that the chair and the chief executive are doing a good job. Despite today's slap on the wrists, Shane Jones not backing down. But my challenge to the board remains the same. 
do not write provincial New Zealand out of a New Zealand script. They're handsomely paid. They should be able to tolerate political opinion, political challenges. If you don't like that, don't take the director's salary. Unapologetic, but happy to attend tomorrow night's dinner with Barack Obama, one of the major sponsors, Air New Zealand. Very Shane Jones to do this, but you know, <laughs> you've got to say like genius because people are really people, people in Canada really, are really annoyed. Yeah, and I know that the place. <laughs> my family live in in Vicargo, so we spend quite a lot of time going backwards and forwards to Southland, go Southland, um, and we spend quite a lot of money on those regional airfares. It's very expensive to get around the country. Well, people love to hate Air New Zealand, and Shane Jones is tapping into that. It's very and clever. we went to Gisborne for you know I went as a reporter. Huge number of government MPs, opposition MPs, uh, industry from around the country went to Gisborne a few weeks go for the launch of that regional development fund and there are very few flights in and out of Gisborne, we've had to do it a number of times for stories, you've got very set times of the day you mm. can go, you can get stuck there overnight, it's extremely expensive to go somewhere mm. like that that was very difficult logistically on the day to get there for all but those ministers But the plane wasn't empty right? The plane, I bet the planes were full Oh, I've put, well, Eden didn't put on extra flights that day, so yeah. I could get in and out and because so, they were so full. Exactly. So there's demand. I think there's demand there. I mean, in Invercargill, the planes both ways are they're always full at both ends of the day. The direct routes. Yeah, always... and I've I've flown a lot to Napier to Tamaru. Those flights are nearly always full. Mm going to those places. If you look, the reason Shane, one of the reasons Shane Jones is so upset is he's from up north. It's fine for him because he can fly into Kerikeri and he lives about three minutes from the airport. But for other MPs like Calvin Davis, mm. um, as it was before for Hone Hadaweta, for those MPs that are up north, they who live near Kaitaia, mm. you can't get to Kaitaia now. You have to fly to Kerikeri. It's mm. about an hour drive on some of the country's worst roads. Mm. It's After a long day from Wellington, you have to fly from Wellington to Kerikeri, drive to Kaitaia or wherever you're going up near there. Yeah. It's, it is, it, it's, a, it's very expensive and it makes a day very long. Absolutely. And so if this was any other airline that wasn't, that you know, wasn't part owned by the government, then, you know, they would kind of say, keep, keep your nose keep, out of yeah. it. But New Zealanders have a stake in Air New Zealand. And it's a bit like the Plunkett issue. It is it is a sort of national institution. Yeah. People feel, have, have feelings, one, strong feelings one way or the other. So, I, I mean, I, I think Air New Zealand could, should have kept their mouth shut, to be honest. Yeah. I, well, I don't think they helped the situation. Shane Jones is doing what Shane Jones does, for mm. one. But also he's doing, he says, well, I'm standing up for the regions. That's mm. my job to stand up Absolutely. for the regions and you can guarantee that in most of these communities everyone will be clapping hands mm. Taupo has lost they lost their New Zealand flights you now have to fly to Rotorua it's very expensive mm. you know so many communities around there who now face while there are airlines who have stepped in which is great uh, the costs can be higher the times don't necessarily match up with New Zealand flights Absolutely. I heard some of the mayors saying that this morning if your flight if your Air Chatham's flight from Whakatane is delayed and you've got an onward Air New Zealand flight booked to get to Wellington well you miss your Air New Zealand flight you don't you have to pay again. There's no Absolute, linkage there. Absolutely, no, that's true. And I mean, with Air Chathams, Air Chathams, uh, Air Chatham looks like it might step into the breach yes. in Kapiti, and they have picked up a lot of those routes that Air New Zealand have deserved, which is great. Yeah, but then from that point of view, so I was in Chatham Islands last week and um, talked to uh, the boss there, and he they're lobbying really hard to get the runway extended because every other airport in New Zealand has had upgrades to their runway except Chatham Islands, and they can't so they can't land big planes there 
fair enough, there's only 600 people. But also um, his fleet is coming to the end of its life there, as I understand it, and he needs the upgrade so he can replace them with other planes. And so the they've plane. got their own problems. Yeah. So here we are with a government that's trying to improve the regional economy, make things better, at a time when Auckland has really squeezed, we want to attract people to other areas. And Air New Zealand have got to step up to the plate on this. I mean, they are part of the, com- they are part of the country's assets. Yeah, so you can see, I mean, Shane Jones does have to be careful with his comments, and perhaps he went a bit too far, but that's what he does. That's what Shane does. But then that's how he gets attention, <laughs> and right? And also, New Zealand First are not going to lose any votes over this. <laughs> no. And in fact, I understand that national MPs who were criticising Shane Jones, some of those ones from regions got told, hey, you know, we, we agree here. Mm. This is something, and, and regional MPs are going to go, well, imagine if you start thinking about Timaru losing their flights. Mm. Well, MPs down there aren't going to be happy about that. No, and not. so you, you, you know... Be less people at Air New Zealand's annual parliamentary party. <laughs> <laughs> which is usually very well attended. <laughs> to be fair, with Shane Jones been criticised for going to the Barack Obama dinner, uh, well, actually, you, you, he's criticising Air New Zealand. You can't blame, you can't accuse him of being in Air New Zealand's pocket. The worst thing you want no. is politicians to accept these invitations Absolutely. and then not criticise yeah, yeah, them. No, for That's sure. when you've got and, a problem. And let's be honest, if you get an invite to that dinner, you're not going to no. turn it down. Although some mayors and others have, because they're yeah, busy. Good which on is, them. Yeah, good, good on, on them. Anyway, let's not talk about Obama. I'm sick of Obama. <laughs> All right, let's have a look at when the government re-nationalised Air New Zealand in uh, 2001. It was a Labour government 12 years ago that decided Air New Zealand would be better run under private ownership than the government's. Today, it changed its mind. Majority ownership by the government, which will be ongoing for the foreseeable future, will ensure a clear strategic direction and purpose and organisation which has not had that for a very long time. National claims the government lacked direction and not dealing with the issue fast enough. This has been appallingly mishandled. Had the government accepted um, Singapore Airlines' offer of $650 million in July, we would not be facing this debacle today. It's crap, to put it bluntly. I'll put it as crudely and bluntly as I can. Uh, the government has never dithered through this process. In Parliament, agreement that the airline should be saved, but also more grief for the government. Surely all the government has done is bail out two Singapore companies, Singapore Airlines and BIL. How does that help the national interest? This is not a case of the Looney Tune right-wing policies of this country coming full circle. A circle Jim Anderton would appreciate, unable to resist smiling since he opposed the privatisation 12 years ago. Well, I'd have been happy if they'd listened to me in 1989, actually. I I, I didn't really like to say that. And the Prime Minister probably happy if no-one listened to her advice to mum and dad shareholders last week as the share price plummeted. I'd recommend they hang on to them because I'm absolutely convinced that Air New Zealand has a viable future. That comment led the stock market to suspend trading in the shares. The Finance Minister's advice to mum and dad shareholders today? Talk to their financial advisors. <laughs> and then, of course, National sold off more shares of Air New Zealand. So it's a fascinating it's history. It's going to go round and round and round in circles. The Labour going to buy more back? You know, <laughs> at what point do you? Just, is it, I know. Is it how many years of stories do we have if we went all the way back to New Ze- the government owning Air New Zealand or, or its predecessors and then selling part of it off and then renationalising it, then selling part of it off? Do you know what I would do if I ruled the world or ruled New Zealand? Oh God, that's a terrifying thought. It is a terrifying <laughs> thought, isn't it? <laughs> um, I would ban those bloody air safety videos. I hate them. I really hate them. Now, and I know we're not allowed to talk about Obama, but do we think there's going to be some kind of safety 100%. video with Obama and John Key and Max Key? Will Max Key be the DJ? 
Oh. He'll have the theme song. I can't, I'm just going to have to jet start until that <laughs> ends. Let's just be off. Please, no more of those stupid safety videos. We'll see if that happens or not. Uh, another big, uh, another issue that is an ongoing issue uh, is around homelessness. I went to Rotorua to have a look at what's going on there uh, um, as they try and tackle that issue, as many other communities around the country are. I'm surprised you're doing a track on housing. That doesn't happen very often. <laughs> Take a look at the track. Simple tasks like making a cuppa are a joy for Rotorua man Anthony Waiariki. I'm here now. I'm happy where I am. So, yeah, loving it. The dialysis patient was shuttled between motels for three months after becoming homeless, but now he's got a settled place. Because of my health issues, I needed a place for myself to keep track of myself, you know, um, with less noise, less attention around, I can actually do that job. By day, Rotorua's Kurao Park's a tourist attraction. By night, it's a shelter for people less fortunate than Anthony. Community groups recently surveyed just on one night how many rough sleepers there were in the town. Not only has the numbers increased, but the, the look of homelessness has increased. So we've got families now, young people, we've got elderly out on our streets. Of the 48 found, most had been on the streets less than a year, although one had been living rough for 17 years. Another homeless count will be done here in Rotorua in June. That's because once winter hits, people from around the country flock here due to the geothermal activity making the ground warm. It's sad and for the people who do come in, it's around how do we as a community embrace that as well. Those who help the homeless say a nationwide official count is needed. It will be really important to have some rigour around and consistency around the method. One news can reveal the housing minister is working on that. I'm confident we're going to come up with a, a system so that we every year we update and actually count the number of people who are without shelter. There's this message for the government too. I really think that we should be focused on preventing people from becoming homeless in the first place. So people like this father of seven can sleep easy. Okay, I do stories on housing and homelessness a bit. It's an important it's issue. It's a huge <laughs> issue. And you know what? We're, we're six months of this government and they still haven't solved the problem. No. So, Bad eggs. So what they're doing, you know, as, as many communities around the country have, and I've been to Taupo now, Rotorua, a lot of places where there is these growing problems with homelessness and they all say the problem's growing and the demographic's changing and they're all battling to find a way to deal with it. And while that night there was, I think, 48 people who were rough sleepers that night, mm. that's only counting rough sleepers. So you're not counting people living in garages or cars mm. or... Mm. sleeping in living rooms and so forth. In a town that size, that's quite a big number. So there's so a couple of fascinating things I found. was the, the idea that people go to Rotorua because the pavement the grounds is... Katie warm. told me this. I just think this is amazing. It's warmer in the winter there than other places. It, I mean, it's quite smart, but I was I was horrified when they oh, told horrified, me. obviously. I, was, I thought, I thought some, when, I, when someone first told, said that to me, I said, are you joking? It's one of the saddest things yeah. I've heard in yeah. a long time. It's really sad. Well, it makes sense. But, but the <laughs> other thing I was reading um, was that rent, rent in, the median rent in Rotorua is now $330. $330. That's yeah, and if you look at the state of some of that housing there and what's going on... It's, it's just insane. Yeah. I mean, I, I can see why there is an issue. Well, I mean, rents are huge all around the country, but I just I was really astonished by that. And that was one of the questions I had for... Um, I talked to quite a few people down there who are dealing with people with this problem and housing people. And, you know, the, the work that these groups like LifeWise do is incredible. And I saw the setup they had down there. Mm. And, um, they do a lot of work helping, you know, drug rehab and mental health patients and so forth. And you know, these people are heroes in the community and um they you know that i asked them of course well 
the solution of course more houses is there more housing coming on board in mm. and they said there's a little bit coming on board but they're trying to get developers involved and what do you do to attract people to come to Rotorua if you can make more money doing it in Auckland absolutely you know, it's, it's a big problem for them and and count, and the, the issue that came out of your story was the issue of the of counting of, of, yeah, of, of, of doing a national which head make, count which makes sense I mean I thought when I heard that, that they had done this down there I thought that's a great idea getting out They what they did was get all the community involved everyone they could mm. to go out on the street that night people knew were where people with, with mm. where they tend to sleep, which is in Corral Park, which is a big geothermal area where the ground's warmer, um, and and went out and they're going to do it again in June. But of course, the question I had was, look, if it, obviously it's it's easier in a community that size, but shouldn't the government be looking at doing that? Because one of the big political arguments has long mm. been how many people are actually homeless. Absolutely. And, and you how do you solve know. the problem yeah. if you don't know how many people are facing it? And do you count rough sleepers or do you count people in garages and cars or yeah. how do you work it out? Absolutely. And the government is saying they're looking at it. Yeah. No, I thought that was really really interesting um so the other thing i want to talk about this week and i just can't think of a really good segue but here we go the ground is warmer in rotorua because of the geothermal mm. geothermal energy oil and gas there we go i did it <laughs> does that work no okay anyway the block offers the block offers yeah so i mean this has been covered extensively um over the over the week but i just find it politically i find it quite fascinating i was wondering what you think like Simon Bridges' first press conference, he's talking about being more he's, about, the environment. about the environment. And yet then he's having a go at just... I mean, yes, I guess I have sympathy for the government here because, the, yes, their position did seem a little confused, but then they haven't made up their mind yet. And there's a lot to weigh up. There's a lot to weigh up about the gas reserves. You know, there are only just ten, another 10 years in them. But, you know, it is it is more complicated than just putting a ban on or you know it's just not as easy just to say not <laughs> it is it's just it's really complex issue and they're working their way through them through it so you know we should have a decision you know in a few weeks time but i i'm really fascinated and i and i wish we could maybe press simon bridges more on this when he talks about being more for the environment well then what is their position on it because he is the former energy minister he was the man behind the anodarko who, amendment who, and who 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 talked about who accepted more block offices and put them out there oh yeah he was receptions for africa at parliament oh, with oh, all these oil and gas companies but also so don't forget, and I did ask him about this the other day, a, a number of those block offers from a few years ago, they've gone out and looked for oil and gas and not found anything or pulled out because Absolutely. they couldn't find well, anything that was actually worth most it. So, I think the most recent block offer, they only had one one company bid for yes, it because yeah. they... they because well, because oil it's, it's it is very difficult. It's high C, so it's extremely hard. It's extremely expensive, and you know. The, uh, the oil industry at the moment is in a downturn. So they just, they're just not, the, the people, you know, oil companies just don't, they don't want to explore in New Zealand it's to the extent that we thought. It's so, yeah. yeah, Exactly. So it's a, it was a failed experiment, really, for, for national. So, you know, uh, yeah, it's this fascinating issue. And I think, I mean, I think Jacinda Ardern did confuse people because she went out Certainly. to that Greenpeace protest and said, we're going to stop. They got the impression she yeah. said, we're going to stop these. Absolutely. And, and you know, even if, if, they only accept one block off or whatever they end up doing about in the next round. Those go on for years. The ones mm -hmm. that are already in place are there for years. You can't just take the, you can't just stop them now. No, absolutely. So we're not saying that it's going to be stopped tomorrow, mm. no matter what happens. And so it is a challenge for any government to work out how to do it. Well, it it's is, not as, and, it, and it comes down to that. So, so we talk about oil, but there's also gas, and gas is a huge part of the Taranaki. Um, Economy. economy and so they can so that's the the real the hard decision is what they do with the with the gas reserves and and but if you talk to greenpeace greenpeace say well like there's only 
another 10 years worth of gas there. So so you just wind it down. You can make that the deadline and stop it. And, and the country then works on, on finding more renewable. Doesn't the discovery of the renewables need to speed up, though, the reliance on that if you're going to say no? Absolutely. That's, yeah, that's absolutely. the other challenge but, as well. But this aside, you know, we've, we've, we've got this 2050 uh, zero carbon goal anyway, so they're going to have to put more effort and more funds and more, uh, you know, R&D into, into, into finding other sources. Yes. Oh, no, it's a big... It is, and, and, and National will be trying to work out their position and how they are yeah, really I just, going to... Yeah, I want to know yeah. how, what Simon Bridges means when he's going to be more for the environment. Well, it's how, he was Energy and Resources Minister. It was his, you know, it's one of the areas he knows a lot about. Mm. And so it's, it's, it is a balance for him now that he has to, mm. to work out. Watch the space. Yes. That was great to have you with us this week. This was Inside Parliament, our weekly catch-up about the political stories we've been covering on One News. It's available every Thursday evening, roughly, from 7.30pm on the One News Facebook page. And please check us out on your favourite podcasting app.